Okay. Before we wrap up, yep. uh, just the other thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any recommendations for media for me? Uh, mm. That you have to... That, so That's irresistible or terrible? Well, well, it doesn't have to be irresistible. Just like a hidden... Something that you think is cool that most people don't know about. Okay. And then something that you, you think is absolutely the worst. I'll give you a few examples. The the worst things that I've taken... Like, we've seen some, some horrible stuff. But like yeah. the Star Wars holiday special was probably <laughs> the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Oh, God. I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, you didn't know there was a sequel? No. I haven't seen the first one, but I had to see the second one for this reason, and right. it was brutal. Yeah. Um, Antichrist was a beautifully made movie, but... Yeah, but it's fucked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's out of control fucked. Yeah. Yeah. We were thinking about watching that last night, and then we didn't. Uh, oh, you're, don't. You're better off not... I kind of want it. No, no, you don't. <laughs> Look, I, I thought so, too, and then I was like, ah, how bad can it be? I, like, I've seen some grotesque shit in my yeah. life. But like because it's so grounded in reality, well, at least the first eighth of, or seven eighths of it is grounded yeah. in reality. Oh, the it's end just gets... like what? The I mean, I'll, I can tell you what happens at the don't very end. Don't stop it. No. But it won't prepare you for it. I don't. I don't <laughs> want to hear it. Okay. Well, it won't ruin the movie. It won't fine. ruin. It. I don't care. I just want to go into. I'm it. not telling you the end of the plot. I I would tell you events that happen. I bet you some weird shit happens. Oh well, I mean. His, well, his penis gets destroyed. Have Crazy. you seen any? Oh, uh, more than that though. And then <laughs> it proceeds a, to ejaculate blood. But yeah. um, <laughs> have you seen any other Lars von Trier movies? Yeah, I have. Oh, okay. I, I, no, I, yeah, he's he's got some. He's got a singular mind. Yeah, you know what you're in for. Then yeah. oh, yeah, it's really. Um. Anyway, so yeah, that's that kind, kind of, of uh, sort of you, what I've been you, through. <laughs> I got one. I know. There's a record called Arm of Roger. Okay, oh, yeah, this is one of my favorite records. Like good. Uh, it's, it's per- insane. Okay, so you know the band? Do you know the band Granddaddy? Yeah. Oh, love them. Okay, so they have basically they just got ripped. Yeah. And uh, just decided to make a record, and yeah. it's like it's like the outtakes of a of a Disco Volante by Mr. Bungle. Okay. <laughs> basically, that's what it kind of sounds like. Yeah. But yeah. It's just like an, a band trying to be as annoying as possible. So this is the this is for the thing that we have to love. I, I mean, it could go either way because I've yeah, showed it to that people. That one's a and wild they, card. They hate it. They hate it beyond because it's so annoying and stupid. Okay. But I love it because it's so annoying and stupid. So it's like, <sighs> okay, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. But you, I think it's a a thing that you kind of have to experience. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. Um, this is kind of more known, but I've been watching the show Letterkenny. Okay, that's yeah, a yeah. Great show, and they're local. I've heard dudes. of it, not not seen it though. Yeah, local dudes. It's on. It's on Crave, and uh, all right. So that can be our hidden gem. That's a that's a great. I mean, it's gonna get out there. It's gonna blow up. I think, but mm-hmm. it's a great show. Something to love. Uh, I really have been enjoying, uh, and I've been reading it kind of slowly just to really absorb it. But uh, John Samley just wrote a book about the kids in the hall. Okay, which talks a lot about Toronto two in the 80s oh sweet okay uh so that book is awesome um you know what it's called it's called this is a book about the kids in the hall okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is perfect uh and uh mm, so i guess that's a love that's like a hidden gem right there yeah yeah and what what is something that's just terrible (sighs) just like the worst thing that you've ever seen or heard or read but there's so many things i tend to really like the worst things like oh, on part like they're so, so do I. terrible but there so there are some things that are so bad that they're good like the movie yeah. troll 2 or something right yeah. but then there's just things that are just bad 
just like uh i mean the one thing that's bad is um on youtube they've translated they've translated all of the star wars movies into chinese and then they, oh, and then put it back to English, and then put it back to English, and then redubbed it. Yeah, yeah. And I just, that I just read about that today. Intolerable to watch. It, like I is couldn't it watch Mandarin. It. I think Cantonese? it's. I don't remember. Okay. Because I don't like. I think literally because the language in print is the same, right. so they would put it into Google because I think that's what the so tool of choice. It's even. It's just, and it's just garbage. It comes out garbage because the English is just incomprehensible and you can't watch it it just makes it so boring oh my God. like and the the first like the prequels are already awful so right. it's just intolerable like it's just shit yeah the new bruno mars record sucks <laughs> all right it's on there <laughs> i mean i'll we did chinese democracy at one point yeah oh, so yeah. you know I, I didn't think it was that bad actually. yeah i didn't think that was too bad but the new bruno mars record sounds like bruno was waiting for michael jackson's death Oh, in order to like just are you gonna start be a beef? shrewdly capitalistic right. are you starting a beef here <laughs> no he, there's no beef he sold a million tickets in a day he yeah. wins yeah. What, he's, <laughs> Bruno if you're listening to this podcast but maybe he's a pure artist and he's he's gonna be offended by what yeah fuck those guys in Pup yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's, he's got his ear to the ground for what Pup has to say <laughs> exactly, yeah. about Bruno he's Mars he's listening in yeah. Bruno gotta, if you're listening just let Pharrell do it He's got oh, Google shit. alerts. Oh shit! He's That's got good. Google alerts. Yeah, when probably is somebody in his pop in Bruno Mars. But yeah, that that 24k that's difficult to listen to. I'm just gonna put up some clickbait that says "Pup says Bruno yeah. let Pharrell do it." <laughs> Throwing shade. There we go. <laughs> Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world. The things that you love that we might have missed. The show where you come to discover the best things you never knew existed. And the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji. I am a part-time R&B fan and a full-time, I don't know, avant-garde music fan. And with Uh me... As always, is my good friend and theorist of harmonial value, Andrew Patterson. Whoa. That yeah. was uh, a <clears throat> was a good one. What's up? Woo! Music episode. Let's fucking do this. Pop. So, pop rec- wait, what are we doing first? Yeah. Right, you, we do the love, love it first, right? Yeah. You would have just heard the uh, kind of hidden... No, not hidden. What's it called? Extra. The sort of uh, outtake, behind the scenes, little recording that I did with Pup while recording another podcast that I do called ISO The Buns Podcast before us speaking here. And you would have heard us them recommend several things, two of which being our hidden gem, uh, Arm of Roger, and the You Gotta Love It 24 Karat Magic. By Bruno Mars, twenty-four karat gold. I don't we, know. We still didn't bother looking it up. We got it's ran been, into the same problem at the end of last episode. It's been a week, and we haven't even looked it up. Um, no, I think it's called twenty-four karat magic. Okay. okay. Uh, anyway, as per usual, we start with the hidden gem, Arm of Roger. 
Arm of Roger is a... This is how it was described to me. Oh, you would have heard it. Yeah. So it is the band Granddaddy getting hammered and then recording an album. And it is an album. It was released on vinyl. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I don't know if we should say before or after or even at all the story behind it because it's such a huge part of what it is. It's like the fat... Like, if if somebody just told you to listen to this, they're like, yo, check out this new this new album and yeah. you listen to it you, you, like you'd be mad you'd be mad or you'd be just like what the fuck um but the story behind it is to me is hilarious and the album has become almost like legendary for that for that reason and this is what you would do like if you were to the cover is by far the best thing ever by the way it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> it, per- it perfectly encapsulates yeah it's album. it's how would you describe it it's like a it's like a fake so granddaddy as a band were experiencing more success than they expected and the pressures that come along with being a band or like an independent band that now you know there's expectations right right of what you are and what that means and what your music will sound like and all that kind of stuff so i'm just gonna say up front right now that my recommendation for the end of this episode will be granddaddy and I will play a Granddaddy song because I have been a fan of theirs forever, forever. All of their albums, I, I still to this day listen to on repeat. Hmm. So you can kind of hear what they're about before, because I assume that people yeah. listening to this episode will not know who Arm of Roger is. Right. So you'll be able to at least hear one grand, Granddaddy song before you decide whether or not you want to check out Arm of Roger. Right. But anyway, but, sorry, go so, ahead. So basically they, you know... They were recording their their you know their next album, and they thought it would be funny to basically say "fuck you" to all of the pressures on the band and record a fake album, a full fake album, that they would send to their label to be like, "Hey guys, like here's the you know here's the final cut uh, of our new record," and send it to basically everybody they know, all of the personnel that would be in charge of releasing their music, yeah. and then after a couple of days, they would send the real album that they had recorded. Right. And when I was reading about this, because again, I didn't know shit about this. I listened to the record and I was like, I don't fucking have a clue what's going on here. <laughs> Let me and, also say that this history is not easy to find either. Yeah. It's not just a matter of like Googling Arm of Roger and then you're yeah. like, oh, here's even the wiki article about Granddaddy is just like, oh yeah, and they have a side project called Arm of Roger. Yeah, but it's... So knowing that, listening to this, I was... I was laughing. Like, yeah. I was laughing out loud, like at just at the, at the office listening to it because I was like, "Oh, that's fucking hilarious!" To th- just imagine a room full of, you know, execs or whatever. They're like, "All right, boys, we got the new granddaddy. Like, let's see what we're gonna fucking, you know, right? It's gonna it's gonna be hit. It's gonna be a hit." And then just pressing play and hearing this, it's like a scene from a comedy movie about a washed up musician. You know what I mean? Yeah, he like yeah. Submits like a, but they did this in real life, and uh, it's yeah. I don't know. I I enjoyed it knowing that. I don't. I, I mean, <clears throat> I would recommend the whole experience to people for sure. Absolutely. Yes. Like find the, find some history about it. Listen to some Granddaddy. Then listen to this. Right. And kind of understanding the reasons behind it it's makes al- it. It's almost like the Deadpool. Yeah. Of totally. music. 
that my favorite song is not even robot a song. escorts no oh. it's the it's the interlude the band synergy thing where it's just them <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny and they're just like it's just like pure it's something that belongs on a comedy album you know or like fucking it's like portlandia basically is oh, what it is yeah that's it's a good just call like, it's just like fucking it's like a, an interlude on an album of a band talking about their process, but they're just kind of bickering and arguing and like just doing, Oh, what if we did like a, what if we did like a something, uh, you know, like this, like, like, uh, uh, like just doing like weird, like weird shit. And then the other guy's like, no, nah, that's stupid. But like, they're so full of themselves. Oh fuck. It was so funny. So yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad that it was recommended. It's not something, it's definitely not something that I would, it's not like a, repeat listen like it's not no it's kind of one of those things where like you're like hey guys check check out this funny album yeah right but it, it's not so much it wouldn't be on my uh, you, you wouldn't phone. i wouldn't be listening to this on the ttc yeah you don't like one one list it's almost like i hate to bring it up again but if you liked the movie antichrist even if you liked it it wouldn't be a movie that you would watch weekly yeah it's your go-to Right. Well, maybe it would be, but fuck, like that's, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what to say about that, but yeah, it was good. Um, I I can understand why someone like Pup uh, would like, or people like Pup would like this this um, album, given the story. Yeah. Well, I'm, well, yeah, I mean given a lot of the lyrical content in Pup's music about even just being a band. Right. You know? uh, but it's funny, before reading any of this history or doing any research when I was listening to this, yeah. it actually reminded me of bands that do this type of thing seriously that I'm like, what the fuck? Like, one of the examples that came to mind, and it's it's a very dangerous dangerous line to tread talking about but uh you know i love all of the kinsella projects yeah that being said you ever listen to owls no uh there I've, I've heard of them there's but. just some stuff that's like to me it almost ceases to be music and i know that there's like a, a there is like a cult following for a lot of these bands and projects but like experimental music basically is what i'm getting at but mm-hmm. like what arm of roger seemed to be poking fun at like is a thing that exists you know that's what makes it funny right so when i was first listening to it it reminded me of those bands and those acts that are maybe a little bit like maybe a less uh a less abstract example would be the Mars Volta. Like I, the, right, right, the right. first Mars Volta record, you're like, wow, this is sick. And there's some like cool interludes. And then Francis, the mute, you're kind of like, okay, there's like weird 12 minutes of just like static and stuff between the songs. And then from there, it just got to me crazier and crazier. And it was clear that like, there's these very talented people, but they were just doing shit that was like, you know, beyond so far beyond what i was willing to basically to put up with which just means it wasn't for me i know that there's still fans that love that shit but like i was just like okay guys like you're not really writing songs anymore you're just writing two minutes of a song and then just like experimenting with just noise for you know anyway it 
it's a whole other conversation. I'm not saying I don't like experimental music or even music that is just noise and like yeah, ambient yeah. music, but it's sort of that weird middle ground where somebody's like, oh, you know, it's going to be brilliant if I take a sitar, but like, and then I hook it up to like a, a talk box. And then while I'm doing that, I've got like cat sounds in the background and like, yeah. but like they're totally so into it and they're really trying to do, you know, yeah. you're just like, fuck off. What are you doing? It's like, this stupid. So what I would strongly suggest you do is you listen to the granddaddy song at the end of the show and then keep in mind everything that Andrew said and then, you know, go on YouTube because it's pretty hard to find anywhere else and search for Arm of Roger and listen to it. And I know it's going to be hard maybe to listen to it, but just do it and keep... keep (laughs) What Andrew Listen said Listen to the mind. whole thing and then read up on it and yeah. just imagine somebody else having the same experience as you with, right? you know. So before we move on to the next album, what are some of your more favorite sort of experimental rock bands? Or like, I don't know if this falls under... I'll give you mine for as an example. Okay. So I love the Appleseed cast. Anyone who knows me knows... Ever since I heard um, fucking End of Ring War even, I was like, yes, these guys. And their first album was very like mineral-esque. But then they right. morphed into this weird wall wall of sound, I don't know, indie rock thing. And Low Level Owl Volume 1 and 2 for me is a quintessential set of albums or album depending on how you want to look at it. I could what listen about to Peregrine. Those. Oh, love that. <laughs> yeah. But see, but that came after, right? Sure. Uh, Low Level Owl Volume 1 and 2. Like, Mare Vitalis is kind of like an in-between period between End of Ring War and Low Level Owl. And you can kind of see them morphing. But when Low Level Owl Volume 1 and 2 came out, they were a totally different band. And it fucking blew my mind. Now, Peregrine and Sagamantha and all that other stuff is after that. So it's like, okay, now this is Appleseed cast. But right. when, when that album hit after being in love with that first album, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this band? And what I, are they t- I loved it. Right. But it is kind of one of these things where like the end of low love all volume one is a mirror track to the beginning of low love all volume two. And there's a lot of callbacks between a bunch of the songs musically, not lyrically. And, you know, there's some songs that are like eight minutes long and some songs that are like 30 seconds long. Right. And it's kind of all over the place, but I love it. You know, so what are some of your sort of I, favorite? So mine's a little bit different. I It's not necessarily, I mean, it is experimental to an extent, but what I love is the label Ninja Tune. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really into like electronic and hip experimental electronic and like hip hop music, I guess, or where those two meet. And I think that like, I kind of, even though I don't maybe talk about it as much when we're referencing music, I feel like the music that I kind of grew up on, or at least the formative years, the early formative years, I was really into like Ninja tune because, you know, um, some of my friends were into that stuff and introduced me to, uh, Ninja tune, the label, some of their compilations and so the the artists that come to mind are like Cold Cut, Kid Koala, DJ Ooh, Food, yeah. uh, Kid Koala. Oh yeah. man! But like that was there was this era in the '90s where 
there was like you know all these weird like hip-hop was kind of being pulled apart by every other genre you know you had trip-hop you had groups like portishead you had um you know people incorporating all these different styles of music and kind of chopping it up and sampling was like huge and there was all this weird shit happening and <clears throat> I, I just like loved it amon tobin was another one early bonobo and a lot of it was like i don't know it's weird like if you listen to their compilations fun kung fusion comes to mind uh funkjastical tricknology even the names of the compilations yeah i was obsessed carpal tunnel syndrome with this album as it's a, a good one Music for morning people. Like when it came, all right, baby, 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 when it came baby. out, I listened to it on repeat. I, I used to just like listen to this album and play Counter Strike. Like I wouldn't Dude. even listen to the game. I'd just yeah. be like, fucking listen to the record. Fucking ah, oh, so good. Yeah, it's great. So good. Well, like I'm, I'm obsessed enough with Ninja Tune that like years ago they put out their twenty, their two decades of Ninja Tune. Comp. It was like a, they made, I don't know, like two thousand of them or something like that, and it was like a box that came with like a huge hardcover book that had the history of Ninja Tune. Then it came with six CDs that were uh, unreleased and like rare and remixes and stuff throughout the ages of Ninja Tune. And then sure. it also came with six, seven inches as well. It was very expensive, <clears throat> but uh, like I fucking love that shit. And then another label that also is very good, uh, now defunct, is called Hefty Records, which is actually... Uh, John Hughes' son mm -hmm. started a label to pursue his uh, sort of experimental and his his electronic music career. Like just, you know, is something that he was passionate about. Right. So a lot of the artists that he sort of signed to the label um, or collaborated with were also in that sort of same area. And it was a little bit later than Ninja Tune. It was like, I would say early 2000s. And it was mm -hmm. my favorite, one of my favorite bands actually was on that. It's called Telefon Tel Aviv. I don't know what that is. I'm going to recommend that at the end of this podcast sure. because I just got, they just reissued their uh, sort of debut, which is called an album called Fahrenheit Fair Enough. And it's like experimental for sure. Experimental electronic. It's great. Oh, cool. Wow, you just sent me down a rabbit hole. I want to listen to some Kid Koala. Dude, now. there's so I could talk about that shit for hours. Where when it comes to again, it's a bit different than what we're talking about with sort of Granddaddy and Arm of Roger, but like, it's it's slightly more listenable. It's more listenable. Well, for but some people hate it. Like my parents did not because to them it just was like noise. Yeah, you know, like it would be literally like some cold cut songs are just like samples from old classic movies mm -hmm. chopped up with scratching, chopped up with weird like beeps and boops. But like, yeah, yeah. And there's no, it's, there's no structure or traditional song structure, but I fucking loved it. It was well, great. Well, I'm going to say that Appleseed Cast is a middle ground in there somewhere because yeah. it, it is sonically more pleasing on the people's ears in general Yeah. than either of the Arm of Roger or some of this crazy Ninja Tune sh stuff. But For sure. I, are you as tempted by this jerky in front of us as I am? Yeah. It looks delicious. We got to wait. So it's gonna, we're gonna Andrew make... brought some jerky back from... Uh, Vancouver. <sighs> Vancouver. Fang Groovy. My sister got it for me, actually. And it is Singapore-style jerky, which apparently means moist, but still dry. <laughs> yeah. I don't and, know. And it comes in, like, tiles. It's like a tile of meat. Yeah. If you could imagine, like, uh, I don't even know. No, it's hard to think about anything that's remotely like this. It's very strange. Anyway, 
So let's move on. Do you want to move on to the You Gotta Love It? Yeah, let's let's do that. Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars. So let me preface this <laughs> by saying that I... Hmm. How should I put this? I'm not a Bruno Mars fan to begin with, mm. but he kind of won me over seeing some videos of live performances because he's a fantastic musician. Yeah. And dancer. And dancer. Just and a performer. Yeah. He's just a great performer. And I can understand, you know, you heard it at the top of the show where Pup says, you know, this is cool, but Michael Jackson already did it. Yeah. Basically. Uh, I get it. I get it. Because to me, the album kind of seems a little lazy. Do you know yeah, what I mean by that? Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's, yeah. That's basically my, not my only criticism, but um, I said something to the effect of that. I took a lot of notes on this album because I, I like a lot of, I love a lot. I like a lot of music that people in our circle of friends would possibly consider guilty pleasures, mm -hmm. you know, or not even guilty pleasures at all. They just openly criticize that I like those bands. Sure. Um, but like, so yeah, I don't know. I just felt more more than Arm of Roger, just because it was very clear to me how I felt about that immediately. This was like I was like writing down a lot of notes, almost like track for track. But I didn't hate it. It just felt like. I, it la lazy is like a good word for it. I like I said w one of the things I said was that I thought the lyrics kind of sucked. It was definitely cringeworthy. Mm -hmm. But you could make. I mean, you know, people talk about classic soul and funk and like you know these songs that have this like uh, they're sort of revered as like these you know great singles from like a bygone era. Right. But if you listen to the lyrics of a lot of that shit, it's absolutely it's the same shit. Like it's not, and I don't just mean like love songs. I mean it fucking makes no sense. Right. But I think that's part of the bygone era thing. And I so this is what I think you're alluding to, and what what why the way I felt about it was there's a fine line between homage and. Not ripping. Ripping off is not the right term because I don't think it was like it's in, it's in, there's intent. Yeah. The point is to sound like those things. Yeah. So it's not as if he's just like you know like fucking Vanilla Ice yeah. stealing well, a Queen song and being like no it's different because it has that extra d d at the end. Yeah. Right. He's trying to. F I I would say that he's definitely trying to. He's kind of finding his voice as somebody that can do this and right. because of some of the hits and singles he's had. Yeah. And now he wants to fill what I would say there's kind of a void of that particular, you know what I mean? Like his niche is that like, yeah, Michael Jackson already did it. Or maybe you sound a little bit like some other people, mm -hmm. but like, there's not really anybody else currently, you know, now it's kind of trendy. I would say because of like the song he did with Mark Ronson off Uptown, uh, you know, Uptown Funk. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's almost like he embraced that and he was like, Oh fuck, I actually really like doing this and I'm pretty good at it. So let's just fucking go all the way. But my feeling was that, they didn't really go all, all the, the way. way. Like, yeah, so yeah. one of the things I said was like, I loved the intro, like the talk box, the intro, because I love shit like that. And I actually was, a, I made a bunch of notes of other artists that sound like the production on this album and the, and the music, like the musicality of it. Yeah. That are better than this. That's like, if you like this, check this out. Right. This is somebody you probably haven't heard of that is doing something like this. But this is a weird thing to say, but I almost wanted to listen to this, like the old dusty record version of it. You know well, what I mean? Yeah. One of the things I said was, 
uh, specifically the song Versace on the floor. I said, feels like a jam you'll want on a 45, only semi-ironically 20 years from now, like like a Phil Collins or Holland Oates single, like where I'm sure, I mean, it was a different climate when those songs came out. Right. But like people now have that normally, you know, somebody that like loves punk music is like, oh yeah, this is a fucking, I love the song like for me, like I love the song Rich Girl by Holland Oates, yeah, which yeah. is fucking ridiculous. Like, you know what I mean? Like when that right. came out and so I envision this being an album that like in the future i mean who people knows can if look we'll, back on it look finally. back on it yeah well look back on it finally but also it just has that same feeling which again as i think like you said part of the fine line between ripping off and paying homage like a lot of right. the songs i'm like this is a ridiculous the lyrics are ridiculous the song is fucking catchy the whole thing is clearly like a party record but See, it's like what, what i what i kind of would have liked right uh lyrics especially hmm. but it could have been a modern take on these like classic funk tunes, mm-hmm. right? And kind of updated it like um, I hate to to use like Macklemore as an example, but you know like the song where they're all fucking riding those scooters and shit. Yeah, yeah. You, I don't even know what that song's called. It's called Downtown. Oh, there you go. But like the, of course. It, Ooh, Kiba, not a fan. Doesn't like Macklemore. Of Macklemore. But that chorus. Yo, it's a good song, Kiba. Cool your jets. That chorus is a good example, I think, of a sort of modern take on some of this stuff, right? Now, it, mind you, it's just the chorus. The verse is like something totally different. But I, I would have liked to have seen, you know, updated lyrics and a, a little sort of a bit of a modern twist on this. Because. I mean, I'm, I, I guess you could argue that he's already done that, but like, it's know. tough. Like, uh, you know, it just doesn't feel like he made it his own. Yeah, it's weird. So one thing, the but other I didn't thing hate I said, it. I, I didn't hate it. Yeah. I, could, I could listen to it all the way through and be fine with it. Yeah, right. Which is also contextually, like some of this. Like I had it. I was listening on my headphones, so it's not to annoy the shit out of everybody else <laughs> in the office. But I was listening to it pretty loud, and some of them, I was like. Eh, like if we if I was in a car with a group of people and somebody was fucking had this shit cranked and we we're like going to a party or something like, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with that. So it, that's interesting that you say that because one of the, the one of the only notes that I have for this album is if this is the state of pop music, mm-hmm. I'm OK with it. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Like because there are other trends that I've seen come and go that are far I like far less. Sure. Right. So if, if this is a sign of the, the way that some pop music is going, Mm -hmm. then like, yeah. Yeah. You know, let's do that. Let's do that instead of some of this other stuff. Yeah. I, um, maybe that makes me sound old and crotchety or whatever. I I said, and I, you know, I, I made a lot of notes. Like I did like the production, but kind of like I was saying, there's a lot of other people that are doing it better and given the amount of money i'm sure that went into this it's kind of like the level of polish flattened it out. like okay a perfect example is actually um mark ronson's last album that brought like the hit single uptown funk yeah. you know he he produced it and bruno mars is on that song like i l- really enjoyed that album i don't know if you've listened to that whole album but like there's like a song with mystical where it could very, it's very James Brown esque, you know? And it's like mystic, like you don't think mystical yeah. and think like, 
a bygone era of like funk and so you know what i mean like it right, just right, doesn't right, really right. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. like this guy's able to see how that could work and he did the same thing with bruno mars and he did the same like in the whole album and he's got a Andrew Wyatt from Mike's is in Mike Snow and uh, I can't remember the other guy, the singer from Tame Impala. Yeah. And he and Stevie Wonder's on there. Anyway, he's got all of these different voices. Mm-hmm. And he did a really good job of making I thought he did a really good job of making music that sounds old but is new and it's not so polished that it just flattens out. Like it's like there's a bit of grit there and it just feel I don't know, it just feels better and like this it's like if this whole album was just Bruno Mars singing all of this stuff, but it had been produced by like Mark Ronson almost, I want to say. Like right. in the in the fashioned after Uptown special, I would have been like, yeah. It was just sort of like, oh, I like where these guys are going, but they're just it felt very plug and play. Like they're like, yeah, Okay, yeah. we like that we like talk box and we like this kind of shit. Let's just kind of like slide this in here and here and here. And if they'd maybe crafted it a little bit more lovingly it almost i don't know there's just something it was it was almost there but i like you i definitely didn't hate it and i think that part of it is also that i just kind of generally like i think that pop music has had like each year there have been super big mainstream pop albums i like i feel very strongly about some artists that would be in that genre but lots of that shit i like so what is speaking of producers yeah what is what is some of your favorite like productions you know albums that you think have the best productions production Ooh, that's tricky i don't know man. i know what mine is and i just thought of it now sort of but um and it's kind of cheating but death cab for cuties transatlanticism yeah uh partially produced if not fully produced by one of their band members and the reason I like it so much is because for the anniversary, they had released the demos. Essentially, they had released the entire album in demo form. Yeah. So you can listen to what the ideas for the song started as versus what they ended up as. And you can hear very clearly the value in a good producer. You yeah. You can see how you take this kind of like, it's almost like forming a, a diamond or a stone or something. You take this like giant clump of jagged edges and smooth it out and shape it to be this thing. Yeah. And it just like, perfect I like, example. I like a lot of the, so this is actually, I like Dev Hines. He does a lot of production mm-hmm. uh, of pop music, I would say. Yeah. I would define it, you know, like people like Sky Ferreira. Um, and he's definitely, I think, heavily inspired by a lot of those 80s sounds, you know? Um, sure. And I can't really think of a specific album, but I just know that when I see, if I'm like on the internet, if I'm on like Pigeons and Planes or fucking Pitchfork or wherever it may be, and they're mm-hmm. like, here's this new single, could be by somebody I know or somebody I don't even know, but if it's like new, this new like Dev Hines produced single, I will immediately listen to it because I'm just like, I like what he adds to a song and how he polishes it. But like some of the, so it's kind of cheating cause it's a lot of recommendations. But if you were to listen to this Bruno Mars album after hearing us talk about it and you're yeah. like, Oh yeah, like I kind of like the funkiness of it, but you want to like hear more of that without the kind of Bruno Marsiness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, damn funk is incredible. Okay. Damn, damn fun. Basically if you took out Bruno Mars's vocals, yeah, 
from a lot of these tracks and just like strip them down to just their bare elements in a way that's like great though. I don't really know how to describe it. That's like damn funk. He's like on stone's throw sort of like a producer does kind of hip hop, but like very funky fucking, he did this uh, project called to each his own, which was like five albums. Holy shit. Uh, that are one album and it's like it's mostly instrumental and a lot of it is almost minimal but like of these elements you know mm-hmm. like really boom bappy drums and beats and then like like wham, like crazy like talk box like just like yeah, yeah. weird shit on top and it's so sick and he had like super long like the super long like perm and wore these like huge sunglasses and right. i saw him once in montreal live and he had like a guitar and shit is fucking amazing um Invite the Light is a good album by him. Another production, I don't know if they're a duo or it's one person or what the deal is, um, is called Union Analogtronics. They're really great if you okay. like this type of music. And uh, and another one, r- really anything by Def Hines or Mark Ronson, but also Onra is another sort of electronic act that does a lot of shit like this. So when I was listening to this album, yeah, it made me go back to all this shit because I like listened to it and I was like, oh, I'm in the mood for some like super just like funky shit that so doesn't necessarily have th- this a silky smooth voice. Like I like his voice. Yeah. even. It's just like, this could be a gateway drug for some people, especially younger definitely. people who don't really have context for it. They could be like, Oh, I like this. Yeah, and absolutely. then like discover more. So there's definitely value in that. Uh, speaking of producers though, and I, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that podcast that I recommended last week or not, but Something crazy I found out. I listened to the Say Anything episode. Mm. Say Anything is a Real Boy. You're familiar with this album? Oh, it's extremely familiar with this album. So somebody has oh, a... Pro- shit like the back of my hand. ...has a producing credit on this album that surprised me. Now, listening to this podcast, I understand now that the history behind it is this person helped shape the songs from demos to what you would hear in the recorded version but didn't actually do the production in studio. Mm. And it is none other than the writer and creator of the songs from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. There you go. Which makes perfect sense, it makes right? Perfect because sense. it's like it makes perfect it, sense. It's basically a musical. Yeah. This album, but like I didn't know that and I had no like that kind of blew my mind when I heard it. I was like, "Oh, fuck, that's so crazy." I'm not going to name names cuz I also understand in retrospect, but I remember when I was in college playing that album yeah i was like right when i was super into it like right when it came out and i played i put it in the car i was in a car with a bunch of people and like they and the record begins with a song of rebellion yeah but i skipped to uh uh every man has his molly and here i am laid bare and and i got like made fun of basically Oh, like really? yeah it it was like the not in a way that was like traumatizing at all yeah in a way where i was used to pushing my music on other people and like them not always liking it and i, I was just that guy like i was just obs- i would fucking bring my laptop and just play it in class and i'm sure again in retrospect it annoyed the shit out of everybody but you know that's kind yeah, of yeah. one of the ways where people came to know like oh he like likes a lot of different shit so i was kind of used to it but it was like a textbook reaction to emo by somebody you know what i mean like where somebody's like what the fuck is this shit like this what is this you know 
gay shit you know like just like <laughs> what is this guy fucking this is this for real and you're and like trying to explain it just being like well i, I mean it's for real but i'll you know but also it's kind of tongue in cheek you know and yeah. like nobody but like nobody in this particular situation in this environment got it they just thought it was like garbage and like they were like embarrassed to listen to it that was like the feeling i got oh, like it made them feel like but i was like this song is fucking great and it's hilarious like it's I, I remember just thinking it was so brilliant like, like the whole album when it came uh, out it is and then, so brilliant and had i maybe like today pl- if i played the song admit it yeah to that same group of people and was like just bear with me you might find his voice annoying or, or just, whatever or just play whoa what a great song yeah but like that admit it is like it sums up where he just like skewers everybody whoa. you know well it's still it's still uh it's like a, despite your still poignant though <laughs> my hair is elegantly disheveled yeah your pseudo bohemian behavior like it's fucking yeah. it's so good and vaguely leftist doctrine of beliefs oh man it's you know a, nothing what a about great art record. of sex that you couldn't read in any trendy new york underground fashion <laughs> magazine <laughs> it's a fucking prototypical yeah, anyway. nonconformist. anyway yeah it's yeah, a good record yeah, I got went off on a bit of a tangent there, but say anything, man. Max Bemis, but pretty cool, produced by uh, the guy that Hedwig. Super cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know where to go from there, other than to say recommendations for the week. Mine is Granddaddy. I don't even know what song to to choose because there's so many fucking good ones that I like. Their albums are like long. <laughs> Like the deluxe edition of fucking uh, what? Totally brain farting software. Software slump. Software slump. Yeah. I was just like, oh. Do you have it? No, just like listen. Just when I've listened to it online. Oh, okay. Or somebody else was, was like, like, yo, check oh, this you out. Have that when I was in college. They do have at one of the cops the first Granddaddy record. Which I don't know which one is the first. I don't even know what the with timeline like the paper is for mache that. head. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but that I don't like that one as much as Software Slump or We Have the Facts when we're. No, no, it's not We Have the Facts when we're voting. Yes, that's fucking Death Cab again. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, they have two others that I, I recommend. Granddaddy. So I yeah. recommended a lot of shit, uh, like a huge list: Damn Funk, Union and Electronics, Onra, all that shit. But yeah. my actual recommendation. Mm-hmm. Is gonna be is gonna go back to that sort of experimental stuff, and it's gonna be Telephone Tel Aviv's uh, debut album, Fahrenheit. Fair enough, because I don't think it got the respect it deserved when it first came out. Not that I'm some like, you know, fucking expert or something, but yeah. I when I discovered it, I was just like, oh fuck, this is amazing. And I saw them like as many times as I could. I saw them at the Elmo Combo, like twice. Sure. I don't know. It's like two very small venues, and then uh, tragically, it's like a, it was a duo, and, and um, the one member, one half of the band, uh, died uh, year, years ago. Um, actually, it was just re- in this reissue. They talk about how the uh, surviving member is now comfortable, sort of playing some of the songs again. Has been doing some shows and is working on new material, still mm-hmm. using the same moniker. But okay, um, there was like they did release some albums after. Fahrenheit, fair enough, but it's one of those situations where the sound was totally different, and there was clearly there's a lot of stuff going on. So this is this I think is still their best record, and it's uh, I like all of them, but it's definitely my favorite. So yeah, Telephone Tel Aviv, um, sweet Fahrenheit, fair enough. So next week we'll be looking at uh, the hidden gem, Fire and Ice. Which is an animated m- movie. Never heard of it. In the style of, um, 
I don't know, like The Hobbit or uh, have you ever seen that animated movie or the first Heavy Metal? Okay. Uh, and the You Gotta Love It comes by way of none other than the Grams. That is Daryl and Amanda Graham. Um, it is called D-War, Dragon War. Whew. I don't know if we're ready for that. But nonetheless, I'm fucking so ready for it. I'll see if I can wrangle Daryl in to uh, let's do it. Get Daryl and Amanda to have a little like a group sesh, little chat ski. That'd be great. Little, little this and that. I also think we need to uh, talk off mic about our Valentine's Day episode. That's coming up pretty soon, right? Yeah, soon adjacent. Anyway, uh, until next week. Keep loving it. Yeah, it's just Where the sea is to be